Welcome to the ParkCast series, episode 45, Research Evidence Use in Child Welfare. The ParkCast series brings evidence-informed child welfare practice to life by highlighting literature reviews from the Particle archives. This podcast will provide a summary of the theoretical foundations of evidence-informed practice before discussing empirical findings regarding how individuals and organizations use research. Outcomes related to research evidence use in child welfare will also be discussed. Defining evidence-informed practice. The terms evidence-based and evidence-informed have become popularized in contemporary social services and indeed child welfare practice. Workers may encounter such terminology in everyday practice as it appears in policy guidelines and promotional material, is discussed in meetings, or is included in funding applications. Though the word evidence-informed has become commonplace, a universal and accurate definition of this term is not always present. Practitioners may ask themselves questions such as, what is evidence-informed practice and how does it help me in my work? What is the difference between evidence-informed and evidence-based practice? How do I do evidence-informed practice? This podcast endeavors to provide an introductory response to these questions while offering a review of current literature on the characteristics of evidence use in child welfare services. However, before discussing research on evidence use, it is important to build an accurate definition of evidence-informed practice that can be used to guide the rest of this podcast. Scholarly definitions of evidence-based practice, EBP, and evidence-informed practice, EIP, are broad and can both overlap and conflict with each other in the literature. For example, popular definitions of evidence-based practice can encompass values that are also included in evidence-informed practice. Sackett and colleagues in 1997 provide a contemporary understanding of EBP by defining it as the conscientious, explicit, and judicious use of current best evidence in making decisions about the care of individual clients. Johnson and Austin in 2008 build on this definition to include the integration of the best available practices with practitioner wisdom and the values of clients. This definition includes ideas not unfamiliar to the literature-based concept of evidence-informed practice, which defines EIP as a practice framework that integrates the use of research with practitioner wisdom under a model that consults multiple ways of knowing. EIP enriches practice by adding to the toolbox that workers use to make decisions instead of limiting them exclusively to research evidence. Within this framework, research evidence is consulted in a non-hierarchical model that includes case considerations, child, youth, and family preferences, and agency context. We at PART find this concept to be most representative of child welfare practice and have therefore adopted it as an important and efficacious approach to child welfare services. On page 4 of the print version of this literature review, you will find an EIP map, a diagram which visualizes the process of evidence-informed practice. 
consider how each aspect of the EIP diagram overlap. Research evidence is only one aspect of decision making, as even the best evidence alone cannot adequately tell us what to do in our practice. The careful consideration of each aspect of practice has led to an increased support of EIP in child welfare services. Developments in evidence-informed practice support the need for a new era of practitioners who are informed research consumers and can critically appraise research while effectively using it to inform practice decisions. Following, core values of EIP are discussed. Core values of EIP. Theoretical work on evidence-informed practice has laid the groundwork for research in this area. From the body of early literature on EIP, a list of core values associated with this concept have been discussed. For example, Eileen Gambrill in 2008 described EIP as a move away from authoritarian decision-making, practices, and policies, and toward more transparent practices, policies, and outcomes. With the shift toward an open-service model comes greater pressures for accountability that includes an impetus to adequately legitimize and support decisions that are made. Evidence-informed practice can support this process by providing practitioners with a better understanding of how and why they arrive at certain practice decisions. Fundamental to the values of EIP is the promotion of better outcomes for the children and families served. Honoring the people we serve is in fact one of the most profound ethical obligations upheld by evidence-informed practice, and indeed the child welfare sector as a whole. Unfortunately, in comparison to other fields such as mental health and healthcare, child welfare is only beginning to understand the viability of EIP. Nevertheless, as the impetus to use research in child welfare practice becomes stronger, an undeniable congruence will continue to build between overall sector improvement and research evidence use. Supporting this movement cannot be done without a fulsome understanding of the role of evidence-informed practice in child welfare. This podcast is designed to provide the listener with such an understanding. What does EIP look like? Though child welfare staff might understand the importance of evidence-informed practice, it can sometimes be difficult to visualize how it works. Evidence is used in organizations to achieve many ends, including, but not limited to, evaluating and selecting interventions, examining practitioner and client characteristics, generally through use of agency data, and examining service delivery, organizational, and system characteristics. Practitioners can engage with these activities in a variety of ways, but Johnson and Austin have provided a general process for evidence use that may be helpful for early adopters. This process is visualized on page 5 of the print version of this literature review. The steps are outlined as follows. Motivation to use evidence. Formulating good research questions. Obtaining the best possible evidence critically appraising the evidence, applying to policy or practice, and evaluating performance. Though this podcast is not comprehensive enough to provide at-length guides on accomplishing each of these steps, 
Johnson & Austin's Process for Evidence Use helps unfold EIP by offering a sequential approach. Of course, not every example of evidence use will fit into this model. Practitioners should be careful to consider unique organizational and individual characteristics that form supports and barriers to evidence-informed practice. Fostering the use of research evidence requires more than a practice model. This section will describe concepts related to individual and organizational evidence use. If EIP is to flourish, a practice framework that values multiple forms of knowledge, operates on a continuum of collaborative relationships, and empowers practitioners to seek knowledge is needed. As well, authors have written about overarching competencies that help operationalize EIP. Examples of these include research and analysis skills, the ability to apply evidence to practice, and the ability to evaluate practice activities. Through evidence-informed practice, workers are repeatedly shown what they don't know and are given opportunities to grow and develop new skills. However, this cannot be accomplished if prevailing attitudes toward evidence use are such that workers do not have an opportunity to develop these skills. Austin and Klassen provide an accurate summary of the individual and organizational elements needed to develop evidence use in an organization. To quote, EBP requires special attention to the processes of organizational change, the understanding of organizational culture, and the specialized expertise to promote successful dissemination and utilization of research. Individual Factors of Evidence Use As described previously, knowledge sharing and evidence use can occur at the individual, group, and organizational levels in child welfare. However, individuals are the main conduits of knowledge sharing as they form the interactions between staff at all levels. Following findings on individual factors of evidence use are summarized. Organizational climate. Synonymous with individual factors of evidence use in child welfare is the concept of organizational climate. Organizational climate can be understood as the shared pattern of meanings among employees about the characteristics of the organization within which they work. Organizational climate can greatly affect worker characteristics, such as morale and productivity, and plays an important role in evidence use. For example, more engaged and less stressful organizational climates have been associated with clinicians' positive attitudes towards adopting evidence-based practices. As well, workers receiving effective supervision are more likely to perceive their agency as promoting evidence use. Therefore, how a worker perceives their organization impacts their research activities and attitudes towards EIP. Worker Characteristics Theoretical literature on high evidence using workers has delivered a comprehensive list of behaviors related to this population, which include a demonstrated commitment to one's own behaviors and practice, an understanding that EIP is a part of everyday work, an affinity for empirical inquiry, appraisal, critical thinking and reflection, an unwillingness to accept the status quo, 
and an interest in learning for organizational improvement. Early studies on research use have begun to support theory by learning more about the characteristics of individual workers who use evidence. In an effort to better understand evidence use within public and private child welfare agencies in the U.S., a statewide survey was designed and distributed to frontline workers. Results showed that most workers reported their skill in using agency data as low, and less than one-third felt they had agency support to learn new skills in this area. For evidence use in a team setting, one quarter of respondents reported that their teams rarely evaluated outcomes, and nearly one-third reported that teams did not review the newest available evidence on achieving permanency. This survey was distributed openly and had a low response rate, and therefore the accuracy of these findings should be interpreted with caution. However, such preliminary research does contribute concerning findings in regards to the low amount of research use in North American child welfare organizations. The gap between research and practice in child welfare may not always be due to a perceived lack in skill when sourcing knowledge. Using a sample of social workers from various settings in the UK and the US, Pope and colleagues found that a high number of social workers reported knowledge of where to source peer-reviewed research. However, only a small percentage reported using research in practice. This finding may indicate a lack of motivation and or knowledge of how to apply evidence in practice. Attitudes towards the use of evidence in practice can impact practical use for staff in the human services, indicating that negative attitudes can decrease EIP. Research has begun to respond to this problem by identifying strategies to support individual research evidence use. For example, it has been found that a more goal-oriented approach to supervisor practice can lead to increased EIP. As well, practitioner training of evidence use is a significant predictor of self-reported evidence use. These strategies combine to form a list of new and best practices for EIP use in child welfare. Organizational factors of evidence use. Evidence-informed practice is an innovation that requires organizations to make cultural, technical, and ideological changes. Following, these changes are summarized within the concept of a learning organization and explained in a review of the literature on characteristics of research use at an organizational level. The learning organization. Central to the adoption of evidence-informed practice is the development of learning organizations within the child welfare sector. A learning organization is skilled at creating, acquiring, and transferring knowledge across all levels of service. This knowledge or evidence is used to inform policies and practices, and staff that work in a learning organization are capable of changing behaviors to reflect new knowledge and insights. Following are some examples of learning tasks that occur within learning organizations, as summarized from Austin's theory on knowledge translation. Learning settings, forums to wrestle with ideas, self-audits and self-questioning, performance outcomes and skill enhancement. Learning cultures, valuing dissent and challenge, 
creating support for critical thinking, sharing knowledge and open communication. Learning process. Questioning, listening, and responding. Creating personal investment in learning. Supporting bias awareness. The process of developing a learning organization can be understood as changes that affect organizational culture. The culture of an organization can be defined as a system of shared assumptions, values, and beliefs that govern how staff within the organization will behave and perform their job. Organizational level strategies for improving organizational culture will contribute to the success of EIP by influencing attitudes toward evidence use. Macro-level policy that supports EIP can therefore offer opportunities for more ethical practice and the integration of practice and research. Of course, changing organizational culture to better support the development of a learning organization takes time, effort, and leadership that fully endorse the process of learning and use of evidence in practice. One of the biggest challenges facing the EIP movement is the general absence of learning organizations within child welfare. And research shows that Canadian child welfare practitioners need more support from leadership to adopt EIP. Following a list of factors associated with research use at an organizational level are discussed. Organizational characteristics. Studies on agency collection and use of data have offered critical insight toward the use of empirical knowledge. A 2014 study found that U.S. child welfare agencies routinely collect data on standardized child welfare outcomes, but much less frequently collect information on child functioning. While information on outcomes is important, agencies greatly benefit from understanding how children and families are coping and what needs are and are not being met by child welfare services. A weaker system-wide emphasis on knowledge pertaining to child functioning may also explain why agencies start new programs and interventions, but most fail to select evidence-based programs and or adequately evaluate their impact. Though some research indicates that managers are engaged in evidence use at moderate levels via reviewing agency reports, sourcing literature, and using online resources, this effect has not yet reached practice, nor does it dictate agency data collection or program evaluation. Addressing the need for learning organizations and EIP in child welfare can be challenging without a grounding knowledge of what it looks like on an organizational level. Theoretical literature on evidence-informed practice has offered some overall principles and characteristics of learning organizations such as organizations that identify and understand mistakes and errors, promote accountability and fact-checking, make knowledge management a priority for all levels, and identify what is not known while working to address it. Theory is supported by research that reports on factors associated with organizational evidence use. These factors include internal support for innovation and an existing evidence base. Organizational evidence use has also been positively associated with open access to performance management systems and other technology, and being responsive to organizational change. Organizations that promote a strong culture of learning 
view themselves as a mechanism to empower others in knowledge, and have been associated with higher research use in the literature. In order to increase evidence use at an organizational level, leadership needs to believe that increasing knowledge sharing leads to higher research use, and therefore better outcomes for children, youth, and families. Perhaps one of the most robust and telling studies on organizational research evidence use was conducted in 2015 using a sample of 26 private foster care agencies in the U.S. Wolchin and colleagues endeavored to answer this research question. Do agencies that have more research evidence users achieve better permanency outcomes for children in foster care? The authors asked 463 child welfare staff including executives, mid-level managers, supervisors, and caseworkers, how often they used evidence to inform how well their clients were doing. Authors found that agencies with more evidence users had faster permanency rates when compared with agencies that had fewer. This finding was strengthened when researchers controlled for staff characteristics, including years of experience, ability to locate research evidence, and a high regard for research evidence. Only when research evidence use was added to the model did the effect with faster permanency surface. These findings, along with the methodology used, provide strong support for the impact that evidence use can have on permanency rates. Rising to meet the challenge of EIP. New research, such as the Wolchin study just discussed, is building a strong evidence base supporting the efficacy of EIP. The time has come for workers and organizations in child welfare to develop appropriate responses that include the building of learning organizations and a significant increase in internal supports for evidence use. Currently, child welfare organizations in Canada lack the organizational infrastructure to build a culture that values research and EIP. Researchers identify multiple barriers contributing to the low adoption of EIP, including cultures of resistance, a lack of central knowledge management resources and access to knowledge, a lack of training in research use, and organization-wide vested interest in the status quo. Despite these challenges, the need for an evidence-informed practice in child welfare persists. Importantly, evidence-informed practice is a process and therefore requires gradual changes implemented across all levels of an organization. Practitioners can start the process of EIP by considering their own practice wisdom against the evidence base by looking at research and identifying questions. Practice wisdom can corroborate or challenge the evidence base and through this process practitioners are able to better locate their knowledge within the context of existing evidence. Reorienting your practice to include evidence is a primary move toward EIP. Organizations can begin this process by viewing knowledge and knowledge sharing as a communal resource and practice. Knowledge hoarding, or the intentional exclusion of access to knowledge, is seen as a major hindrance to open knowledge sharing and must be identified within organizations. For every reason why now is not the right time for EIP, an equally long list of stronger reasons for its immediate implementation exists. Research summarized in this podcast 
demonstrates how evidence use leads to better outcomes for children, youth, and their families. This relationship is ethical in nature. EIP is a practice framework that must be adopted because it better serves the community. Evidence-based policy at macro levels offers opportunities for broad-based ethical practice and increased knowledge flow, which can lead to increased staff morale and more informed workers. The ethical imperative for EIP is founded in a growing literature and movement sweeping across the social services that is opening space for the judicious use of evidence in practice. It is due time for child welfare organizations to consider how they will rise to meet the challenge of EIP. Key Summary Points Successful adoption of evidence-informed practice, EIP, rests on a fulsome understanding of how evidence use impacts the people we serve. Embracing the core values of EIP, such as promoting greater accountability in decision-making and an open-sourced knowledge-sharing system, is a good place to begin the process of supporting evidence use in practice. Evidence-informed practice in itself is rooted in evidence. New research is employing rigorous designs and methodologies to test how EIP impacts practice and outcomes. Findings from these studies clearly show that the use of EIP has many positive outcomes for both workers and the children, youth, and families they serve. Evidence-informed practice is the inevitable future of child welfare services in Canada because it is an empirically supported framework that leads to more positive outcomes for children and families. Individuals and organizations can prepare for transition to greater evidence use by starting the process of critical thinking and empirical inquiry in their day-to-day -day work. You have been listening to the podcast series, Episode 45, Research Evidence Use in Child Welfare. At partcanada.org, you can access the print version of this literature review, which includes additional methodology tips, critical thinking questions, and visual diagrams. The podcast series is produced by Practice and Research Together, a membership-based organization that promotes the understanding and use of evidence-informed practice at all levels of the child welfare system. For more information about and additional resources on this episode's topic, the podcast series, or practice and research together, please visit www.partcanada.org.